Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, last week we did fish. Mm-hmm. That was fun. It was. Gotta Makes love fish. Of being in warmer places and going swimming. <laughs> swimming with the fishes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it, only, it only makes sense to, for us to talk about shellfish. And, oh, and who and doesn't your love fav- shellfish? Your favorite word, cephalopods. Yes, yes. Those goofy things with tentacles and heads <laughs> and deliciousness and yeah ink, oh, and ink. yummy yep ink right right yeah so, all right i mean how could you i mean without cephalopods you could not have the squid ink spaghetti la guitarra which is one oh, of the yummy great pieces of like umami art I saw a video uh, of someone doing the actually cutting the pasta on the on the uh, cutter the other day. And wow, it's just such (laughs) I mean, I know we make it at one of our restaurants, um, but it's just really fun to get to see someone actually making it. It really is such an art and it's such a a pretty process. Well, yeah, the the old school, the old school way of cutting. So spaghetti a la guitarra, guitarra, guitar. Mm-hmm. And so you would string guitar strings across something that looks a little bit like a, a like a weird square musical instrument almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's a it's a little bit bigger than the table that you roll the pasta out on, and then you just press it down, mm-hmm. and it's all cut. Yeah, yeah. Roll a roll a rolling pin over the top is what the lady was doing when I saw it. Yeah, super cool. So let let's run through uh, some shellfish greatest hits first. Okay. So let's, let's talk about uh, some shellfish, uh, how to work with them, dishes, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a wine to uh, wash it down in a very, very pleasant way. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites is, is uh, I love mussels so much. And um, we often get some from up in uh, Prince Edward Island. They're a nice size. They're not too big. They're not too little. Uh, they have a nice, sweet, briny taste to them. Um, I think one of the biggest things that you have to deal with when you start talking about mussels or clams is that they suck in water that has sand in it. So you have to deal with the fact that they're processing sand as their bodily function. Lovely. And um, you need to get rid of that. You don't want to eat it, um, obviously. Not desirable. So that's really the only challenge with with cooking shellfish other than overcooking it. Never want to overcook it. So with, with something like mussels, let's say I'm going to do Provencal. And that's, you know, traditionally a little bit of shallot, garlic, white wine, tomato product, extra virgin olive oil or a good olive oil, uh, a little bit of parsley to finish, salt and pepper. By tomato product, you mean like crushed tomato? Yeah, crushed tomato and its juice. So um, with the mussels, you want to steam them open. I like to steam them open a little bit of white wine, water, bay leaf, whole black peppercorn, uh, and maybe a little bit of shallot or some form of onion product. Shallot is really preferable because it's got a a little bit higher sugar content. Um, And you would have like sort of a wide wide bottomed pan, um, and you want a lid for that pan, pot, I guess I should say a pot. And uh, you put the liquid in, maybe an inch or so, two inches or so, depends on how many mussels you're steaming open, and uh, bring that liquid up to a boil. And one of the things you do to process the mussels prior to that is 
uh, wash them really, really well in several washings of cold water. Uh, you do want to de-beard them. Uh, this is what they attach themselves to the bottom of the ocean floor with. Um, they sort of dangle on this thing and they're called beards and that um, do not remove the beard until you're ready to cook them. In other words, don't do that the day before because they die when you remove the beard and you don't wanna have dead muscles or um, that's undesirable, obviously, highly. So remove the beards uh, as you've washed them through several washings of cold water. We also do something with clams um, where we will put them in, we'll, we'll wash them very, very well. Then we'll put them in a bucket with water and cornmeal, which will help to process out some of that sand um, as well. Um, that is a overnight process. They need to sit in the refrigerator um, overnight. Um, and then you want to rinse those very, very well because you also don't want to eat cornmeal in your products. So you want to make sure they've been flushed out of that as well as the sand. But getting back to the mussels, so you have a clean mussel now. You go into that pot. Uh, you put the lid on and you just kind of shake that pot a couple of times while it's boiling. You want it on high heat and obviously you want enough liquid in there that it doesn't evaporate completely away. Um, obviously you'd end up with a burned up pan. You don't want that. You just want enough mus uh, liquid to get the muscles to steam open and that shaking process of the pan will help to jar them to open them and um, you either want to stop the cooking process immediately there which means gets the, get it kind of depends on what you're doing with the muscles if you are going to do uh, eat them right away and serve them with Provencal, then you don't need to shock them or stop the cooking process. Um, you can just take them right out. Um, you can strain that liquid through a cheesecloth. Several layers of a cheesecloth will also get any residual sand out. Um, and um, obviously you want to discard that bay leaf and the whole black peppercorns. You're not going to want to eat those. So you're just going to just drain the whole thing or strain the whole thing through a couple layers of cheesecloth. And now you have the foundation of your sauce. So you have the foundation of the sauce, and so you're going to add that to all of the other business, including the tomato and the wine and the shallot exactly. and the onion that you have ready to go. Exactly, and that really beautifully flavors that. And I like a little bit of extra virgin olive oil to finish at the end. It just kind of rounds out that tomato, that, that acidic tomato uh, moment. And um, you can either use extra virgin olive oil, or you could finish with a little bit of cold butter, which... You know I prefer, but I like both very, very much. <laughs> More olive oil, please. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's my side of the aisle. And a little the, parsley uh, at the end. A couple of quick sort of editorial informational comments. One, if mussels don't open along with all the other mussels, don't eat that mussel. Right. That's, that's, that's not one that you want. Yeah. Right. Um, two, you want to toss the mussels with all of that sauce and all of that once you have it all developed. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and at least for a few a, a few passes mm -hmm. to get plenty of uh, just mixing between the juice and the sauce and the and the sweet meat of the mussel and all that sort of business. Mm -hmm. um, you need to have crusty bread ready to go alongside that. <laughs> it's an emergency Absolutely. if you don't have crusty bread right you, there. <laughs> and, and instead of parsley, I would it's basil. I would toss in there mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. um, I do basil as well. Yeah, but if you have. Uh, if you have that crusty bread ready to go, you can basically eat the mussels and then load the, you know, you can dip the, depends upon how tight the sauce is. If it's pretty tight and you, you can spoon the tomato and all that business right on there, that is happy times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm, I'm really getting hungry right now because it's I could eat that. It's good Oof. for you. Now Love I it. want the glass. The, even in the cool weather, a nice Provencal rosé is exactly the right thing for that dish. Okay. Good. It has exactly the acidity that you need. 
Uh, delicate white's not going to deal with the tomato well. No question. Okay. And a red, you, you don't need tannin for muscles. Mm-hmm. So there. I'm glad you started with muscles. Hey, what was that? As soon as you mentioned muscles, I always think of you had this muscle soup that was amazing and that basically nobody bought years ago. It was one of those few things that was really excellent that kind of just didn't take off. Was it a cream-based soup? It was. Yeah, well, I, I, that's... I've met you. I've met you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you still handle the mussels the same way in that you steam them open and you end up with this wonderful cooking liquid that you strain. Um, then I would add lots of shallots, onion, a little bit of gently cooked garlic. That liquid, uh, not much of it, but some of it, and um, reduce it down a little bit and then add cream. And I steep saffron in white wine and add that and a little bit of black pepper. And that is really, that's it. It's so good. It's a saffron cream uh, based soup. And then garnish it with, um, I cut diamonds out of zucchini and blanch them or saute them. You can either way. Uh, That's part of the garnish in the bottom of the bowl. The mussels themselves are garnish in the bottom of the bowl. And um, a little bit of tomato concasse, which is when you take a fresh tomato, you put a little X in the bottom of wash it, put a little X in the bottom of it, and blanch it for like 5, 10, 15 seconds in boiling water. You remove the skin, you cut it in half, you take all the seeds and the juice out, and you dice it. And what I like to do with the concasse is, is add extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper to that. I don't just put the straight tomato on. I feel that that needs to be seasoned before yeah. it can go into the bowl. No and um, yeah, and I'll drag a couple pieces of saffron in with that uh, with with that tomato. And I will also put a maybe a, a just a drop of Tabasco in with that tomato because I love that little uh, bit of heat and then pour the soup over everything. And um, that's really one of my favorite soups yeah, I've ever made. Absolutely. I, and it's one of those things that a couple would go out and it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on, people. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that's the way you it never is know. sometimes. Yeah, you just never know. It used to be broth-based soups. We, we couldn't sell a broth-based soup to save our lives. You know, everybody wanted a cream-based soup. Every, everybody said they didn't want fried no, food, and that's all that would sell. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the really funny thing. Oh, no, we want food that's low and fat. But let me have those fried oysters. You know, I get it. Mm-hmm. Just be so honest with yourselves. So, so let's talk oysters. <laughs> I saw that sort of the, the mm. three big schools of oysters, right? Mm-hmm. Oysters on the half shell mm-hmm. with various garnishes. You're going to have lots of fun. Yes. Oysters that are very happy, happy to be fried. Yes. And Lord knows the world. I'm sort of familiar with that. Unbelievably. Yeah, I'm not giving out my <laughs> fried oyster recipe. I understand. So we're going to have to talk about something else. The main, the main thing with fried oysters is just don't overcook them. Yes. And they and, need to be and, fresh, like with and all seafood. And you want a, f- a fun something to dip them into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you serve them with lemon cayenne mayonnaise. Uh, there's there are a million sort of like uh, almost uh, herby, garlicky, happy. You know, aioli with a lot of fresh herbs in it, basically. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that can do really well in that sort of situation. There are people who put remoulade sauce with fried oysters. That can be really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Tartar sauce. Let's talk about baking oysters. Okay. And let's let's talk about raw oysters. Where do you want to start? Well, I'm I'm currently making a baked oyster. Um, believe me, if if we were allowed to have a broiler um, in Baltimore City, I would be 
finishing them under a broiler or a salamander as we call them. But since we're not allowed to have one, um, I do mine in the oven. And we we run our ovens at about 425 degrees uh, on convection. If you put enough butter in there, you can get them to brown a little bit in that situation if you don't have a broiler at home. So uh, it's very simple. We shock the I'm, oysters. I'm going to stop you and take you back to where you said, if you put enough butter. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you shuck the oysters, and you want to do your very best to retain every bit of the natural liquor in there in that shell. So it's really important. It really is. And um, and if and if if you feel like you're just not can't do that, then at least reserve it somehow, you know, let everything drip into a container so you can put it back in there. And then we're, like I said, very simply, we're doing a small dice of bacon and browning that off and uh, uh, sauteing baby spinach and adding the two things together, a little salt and pepper, and that goes on top of the shucked oyster. And then we use panko mixed with a little bit of melted butter, salt, and black pepper. And a very, it should be a very light layer. One one night my cooks put too much on and I'm just like, no, 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 yeah, no, no. That is no, no, no. Yeah, so a very light layer of breadcrumb on top. And uh, I mean, in our oven at 425, it takes a solid six minutes and they're perfect. And the oyster is hot. Uh, but it's not overcooked, and um, the breadcrumb does begin to brown, and that is just seriously good. There are like a million other ways you can do that, but that is basically a sort of a play on Rockefeller. Oh, um, Mornay sauce. Mm, I oh love Mornay sauce. Gosh. No, Go but ahead. that's yeah, just literally just broil mm-hmm. an oyster with Mornay sauce. It's as, mm-hmm. you know as simple as detach it first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nothing more frustrating for the person trying to consume that, but. Mm-hmm. That and a little breadcrumb is nice, but oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. You know the traditional way would also be to, to have had perno in it. So you have to like, really like perno to add that to uh, the Rockefeller. Um, a lot of people don't, which is why I just don't use it in this particular dish. In the end, I love all kinds of oysters, but man, I love raw oysters so much. Hmm. And there's so many different kinds, and you can look up and find all the different West Coast oysters and all the. The Atlantic oysters, that the, the French prize, you know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, well, we, have, we some, have a we-, we have a wealth yeah, of oysters we, to play with. We're in the we, right place in the world. For exactly that. where we are, the Chesapeake Bay. Gosh, we have all kinds of fantastic oysters here. Preparations on the half shell. I mean, that's the what what you grew up with here, right? People have cocktail sauce. People have lemon juice. I love mignonette. One. Just mm-hmm. a basic, mm-hmm. you know, red wine vinegar, shallot, black pepper. And yeah. you just put a tiny little bit, just kind of like show off the oyster. Yeah. That's awfully fun. Yeah, I think mignonette is one of the best. I think so. The other thing I've come to love is a little bit of, it's, and, and we, we've done this in Italian cooking, with, with a little sorbetto that's not too sweet. Making a, a sorbetto with prosecco. Mm-hmm. You know, the white wine that's sparkling and, and a mm-hmm. tiny bit sweet. Yeah. And having just a little tiny scoop of that with the oyster. That's a hugely different take and uh, really great fun. Cucumber sorbet is good with it, too. I really like that. And uh, also we've, we've, we've put caviar on them, which a lot of chefs do that now. And um, right. There are worse things. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really the salty, salty thing is pretty incredible. It's a it's a beautiful combination. Yeah, well, there are different kinds of salty. You know, there's a 
caviar has more of an umami character, you know? Mm-hmm. Wines with raw oysters, man, there's a million way, ways to do that. I mean, the classic, you know, if you're having with mignonette and you're standing on a street in Paris and someone just shucked them for you, you're going to ask for a glass of, of muscadet, most likely. Okay. Right, melon grape, um, light, very dry, uh, you know, very, like, mouth-cleansing. Uh, Chablis is also another classic. Sort of like more, in, the the more involved the preparation, the bigger the wine, you know. Okay. Um, but yeah, Chablis is another great one. There are worse things than champagne, especially <laughs> Blanc de Blanc champagne. Mm-hmm. You know, all Chardonnay. We're very light, bright, pure, lacy. Uh, that, I mean, obviously the idea of the of the sorbetto with the sparkling wine and the raw oyster. That's Ideal. It's pretty Just elegant. Ideal. But, mm-hmm. Well, and the texture of the bubbles, that that fineness of the of the mousse of the sparkling wine, of the champagne, with the oyster itself is a spectacular textural happiness essay. When we come back on Formula Wolf on food and wine, we've got more shellfish, and all kinds of what Cindy described as things with tentacles to take on (laughs) on WYPR. Welcome back to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're cruising through shellfish and cephalopods. There's so Gosh, many. there's a lot of shellfish. I don't know if we can get <laughs> no, to it's cephalopods. So exciting. Right? Maybe not. We may Maybe have to do it. an all tentacles program if we can't okay. get through this. Ooh, sounds creepy. Yeah, right. why not? Okay. So what's next? So, Scallops? If you like, sure. Okay. All right. Yum. They're fun to shuck. Um, interesting to shuck when you get to see the. The whole they are shebang beautiful in, there. in the shell. They yeah, are they beautiful really are. in the shell. And sometimes the shells are really, really beautiful. Oh, and remember when base scallops were so everywhere, like in the eighties, and then unfortunately they over, you know, they've sort of overfished them. But oh my gosh, base scallops used to be just oh, so easy to get. I love base scallops, but yeah, you could get we, Taylor Bays back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, and those shells were gorgeous. So all pink and blue and green and. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But scallops are wonderful. Everybody likes them because they're so sweet and naturally sweet and <clears throat> clean tasting and not fishy. You know, when they're fresh, they're just so fantastic. And they're easy to cook, cook fast. You can make dinner in five minutes with scallops. It's, you know, it's, and I think the biggest thing is um, you, in the industry, we call them dry pack, which means that they have not been chemically treated. Uh, they are uh, a nice fresh scallop, and that is the one that will sear nicely for you. You need a hot pan. This is when your steel pan comes in really nicely. Um, you get your pan hot. You put a neutral oil in there. Uh, you can either pat dry your scallop before you put it in. That's always foolproof with any you know any kind of wet food product, um, and then just into that oil and be ready to go with whatever you're serving it with because it's only going to take a couple minutes to cook them. Lightly salt them, maybe lightly pepper, but I, I don't ever actually put pepper on scallops. I just lightly salt them, and out they go. I cook them to medium rare. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to carry over to maybe medium, something like that. But once you have good color on both sides, you're done. 
Yeah, that's if, it. if it's a monster scallop, one, good for you, and two, you give it a moment more. You know, you give it, what, 10 more seconds on each side. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But it, 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 will, it will cook. It, it will continue to, you know, cook as it rests. Well, and one of the things about the base scallops on the shell is you can uh, steam those open to order. You know, I mean... As you're eating them, uh, and then you can just go right into that same pan with with your sauce. Maybe you're doing the same Provencal sort of uh, uh, you know thing we were talking about with the mussels. Yeah, um, you treat it the same way. Yeah, and so that's super fast and super good. And um, mussel, uh, excuse me, scallops also. All these things in shells are great to stuff. Uh, you can certainly well actually what we used to do was we would take the sea scallops, um, the shell we would cut them in half horizontally put a little bit of our crab cake mixture in the bottom and put the scallop on top, put a little bit of butter on top and a little bit of breadcrumb and broil those in the, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And, and the crab cake mixture would just be a little bit looser than, um, you know, with a little bit more mayonnaise. That, that's what you need to bake it in the oven like that. A little, you know, we, we barely put any breadcrumb in our crab cake mixture in the first place. So that's not an issue for us, but yeah, a little bit looser, and then put that raw scallop piece on top, and that little bit of buttery breadcrumb on top, and oh, that is so 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 good. It's it's a, it's a hard question between scallops and lobster as best match for like big rich American Chardonnay from the West Coast. That's uh, Sonoma Coast Chardonnay, and most scallop dishes are going to be really successful. Mm-hmm. If you want an excuse to drink one of those guys, I think my. My my favorite scallops end up being the wintry ones, uh, and if you can get them with the roe, better and better. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have that like umami flavor along with the sweetness uh, from the roe. Um, but cauliflower puree, I, I, it's you can make cauliflower basically velouté, like you make, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's not so tough. No. Uh, or a cauliflower puree that has at least a little bit of. A potato in it for the starch and for the body, and, uh, and 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 less dairy, and just to have that a little puree on the plate, and uh, seared scallops on that guy, and then any kind of interesting mushroom. And if life is really good, if you have a little bit of fresh black truffle, <laughs> yeah. that's a good that's a good landing place for that. I love chanterelles and scallops together. So, so, so good. Well, the chanterelles come across as fruity in that application. Mm-hmm. It's really, mm-hmm. you know, they, they can be that apricotty kind of color, and they, they are almost that way in flavor. I made, I made cauliflower puree one time, and I didn't take it off the menu for months and months and months because I liked it so much. And honestly, I loved eating it every, I mean, like when I was making it, it was, a, again, like so many things in the kitchen, it's a labor of love. And... I just love making it. The process is so amazing. And then I just love tasting every moment of that process, which is we would boil the uh, cauliflower and water with salt and we would cook it a little bit more than al dente. You don't want it to be mush, obviously, but you don't want it to be raw. You need need to break that texture down a little bit. Yeah. And then pop it in the food processor and just break it up into little pieces. Again, you're not making a puree you're making sort of chopped up cauliflower, finely chopped up cauliflower. And then we put it back in the same pan, we boiled it in, and it gets, sorry, a ton of butter, fresh lemon juice, a little bit of a little bit of Dijon mustard, and salt and pepper. That's it. And it is so, 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 so good with a scallop. 
So good. Oh. Mm, I love that's that. A, that's a, that's funny. I did not know your process. That's a totally different version from what I've seen with a little bit of potato where you, it, it's probably 90% cauliflower and 10% potato and it's a little butter and it's, mm-hmm. and it's a little cream mm-hmm. and it's a, a lot of blending. Yep. Yeah. And always very a tiny different. bit of, and, and a very tiny bit of nutmeg. And that's kind of probably a bit more delicate flavor than. Mm-hmm. Oh, than definitely. That, but yeah. No, this is, this has got the Dijon and the lemon. I mean, it's, it's going to wake you up, but it's not like, uh, out of balance. Super I'm good. Sure. Yeah. So do you want to talk about lobsters? Oh, please. I mean, that's, and we always think of it, it is a luxury thing. It's a special thing. Oh, especially right now. Yeah. No Prices question. are, wow, crazy, crazy high. Yeah, but, I mean, there's so many things you can, well, like one of my favorite things is a vol with lobster. We make, because the shells produce such a great stock. Um, so vol is windmill, <laughs> in, right, in, yeah. in French, mm-hmm. and it's a particular puff pastry form that reminds you of that. Yeah, it has twisted ends. You cut out a triangle, and you cut out an inner triangle of the puff pastry, but two of the corners of the triangle are still attached. There's a cutter for it. And also, a volavant, I have seen volavants in a circle before, by the way, um, but uh, this is a traditional volavant, so you, what you do is you cut, cut that out, and then you brush the whole thing with uh, egg wash, and then you pull one end over the other, and you attach it, and you brush that with egg wash. That rises with a hole in the center, um, or the ability to create a hole in the center of the pastry. It is perfect little pocket for all kinds of goodness. And I, I actually wrote that down as one of the things I wanted to talk about, because it is such a great vehicle for uh, scallops, shrimp, lobster, um, you know, all kinds of uh, shellfish. So... Um, you know, getting back to lobster, it produces such a great stock. So when you go to steam your lobsters or boil them in water with mirepoix, a little bit of tomato paste, bay leaf, peppercorn, um, and mirepoix being carrot, celery, and onion, uh, we boil our lobsters. We don't steam them. And we cook, we buy one pound culls, which means that one of the claws has been lost. Uh, they only have one claw, but they have a tail. And um, obviously they're live and in their shell. So we cook them for six minutes. And then we remove them and we uh, put a skewer through the tail so that they stay straight, um, which is not a fun process. Quite Otherwise frankly. it curls up in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, obviously remove the skewer. It's a metal skewer, by the way. Uh, we take the tail meat out and then we um, take most of the inside of the body out and uh, that is, and then we break open the shells, break down the shells, and that's what we make our stock with. And um, it just, like I said, it produces such a beautiful stock, and that stock becomes the foundation for our lobster soup. And uh, our lobster soup becomes a foundation for our cognac cream, cognac and lobster cream, which is what I do with the volavant. Um, and uh, you can very simply just reduce down lobster stock, add a roux, add cream, and season it with cognac, a little bit of pinch of cayenne, salt, and black pepper, and you can heat up all your seafood, butter poach the lobster, uh, sear a sea scallop, maybe dice, saute some diced shrimp, and um, finish with that sauce a little bit. I like to add a little bit of shallot mushrooms, button mushrooms that have been sauteed until caramelized, and a little bit of fresh chive, and put that in the volavant, and you're absolutely in heaven. Green salad. If you want to head south and, and 
play with a lobster like an Italian. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the same process and, and make the stock. Lobster meat is out of the shell. Reduce that stock with tomato, crushed tomato and paste and make it spicy, throw a Calabrian chili in there and garlic and get that relatively tight as a sauce. Mm-hmm. That with the lobster, with just name your shape on pasta. You know, tagliatelle is one of the nicest ones. Spaghetti is really popular that way. Um, that squinting spaghetti that we were talking about at the beginning is great that way. It's one more element of flavor. Same idea, different place, but same treatment of the lobster, different place. Same yeah. utilization of the shell to make that stock, which is so important. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you want to look up Volovan, it's three words, V-O-L-A-U-V-E-N-T, Volovan. You can look up a video. Lobster, how else, Tony? I mean, lobster salad is a great thing. You know, that's I always think of, you know, with like avocados and maybe a little mandarins and, and fresh basil or, you know, basil and cilantro both. That's and, But that requires boiling that lobster, getting it exactly right, cooling it, cleaning it out, and, you know, and getting really pretty slices mm-hmm. from everything. But it, as, a, as, a, as, a compose, as a composed salad, mm-hmm. that's really one of the marvelous things. Tarragon mayonnaise, also oh, yeah. great. Also great. A oh, yeah. little shallot, um, maybe a little brunoise celery. Um, I like the idea of the blood orange with the, with the, mm, blood orange, any kind of orange. Yeah, so with, say mandarin with blood it, orange. Yeah, too. It's right. funny how that's like immediately like, oh, orange is exactly what mm-hmm. you want there. Well, and you know, over time, lemon verbena has become one of my absolute favorite things. And I love lemon verbena with lobster as well. So you could make a, a vinaigrette or you could um, marinate the lobster in a little lemon verbena and and uh, lime and extra virgin olive oil, shallot, and then remove that um, and, and serve it with greens and baby red romaine or whatever. Lots of good you, things. You need Lots beautiful china, a great glass plate or yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, you know, yeah. Some, something a little over the top. And you also need very good champagne, very cold. Mm-hmm. I also was thinking about that. like with a salad, um, doing cocoa beans, which are a little white bean and doing those sort of garlicky, olive oily, you know, n- nice acid, lemon, um, maybe red wine vinegar, uh, as long as it's not too strong, not too much. Um, but doing some sort of little white bean salad. And as you say, you know, slice, have the slices of the lobster out. And I can just, I just see that salad nice and cold and, you know, good oil, good extra virgin olive oil that, you know, just some fresh herbs, fresh chives. I mean, gosh, they're just, mm, seafood is just such an incredible vehicle. There's so many things you can do with it. Sardinians will basically throw lobster on a big live fire. You know, and and that smoky flavor that comes from that, when you when you clean that guy out, cut it into pieces, and it's a chickpea salad, chickpea and tomato salad, that has a little spice to it, that that lobster goes into, and oh man, oh I love chickpeas. That's uh, that's that's happy times. That okay. the great red wine. That's that's one of those situations where it's a red wine that's going to work with the dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cananao is the uh, the most important red variety in Sardinia, and it's a, it's a relative of Grenache or Garnacha in Spain. And it, it 
the best producers like Dettori, who is the best producer, D-E-T-T-O-R-I, or another excellent one is Pala, P-A-L-A, that big, rich, soft reds that can carry that off. I mean, speaking about lobster from Maryland, I mean, obviously, crabs are the thing, right? Right. You watch Monday Night Football, and it's, welcome to the big crab cake, you know, (laughs) like like the commentator says. So, and there's so many things that that's definitely we have to to move crabs aside as their own we'll have to do an entire program on there yeah no question that's yes. th- that's too much uh, to talk about <laughs> no it's yes yeah. and 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 too much detail in history mm-hmm. and yeah tradition to dig in um so when we come back on former wolf on food and wine we're gonna have to deal with shrimp cindy yes i know you love shrimp love them uh, and then cephalopods and all the wines that go with those guys on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're running through shellfish and cephalopods today. And we just moved crabs to their own special category for uh, another program. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about shrimp. We haven't talked about shrimp yet. Well, I think one of the things that I really would like to convey to folks is that working with shrimp with the heads on when you can find them really makes a big difference when you're making a pan sauce. Uh... They're not scary. They're not insects. They're not in any way scary. Yeah. They have a and lot what happens of flavor. Is, yeah, a it has a lot of, flavor. of, exactly. So what happens is there's a pocket of fat in the back of the head of the shrimp that melts out as you are heating the shrimp in the cooking process. And that is beautiful color. It's a coral color and it is tremendous flavor. So we might as well talk about shrimp and grits because it's something I've made for years and it's a very loved dish in the South. Um, the one that I make, I saute uh, head on shrimp in a little bit of corn oil. When they're about three quarters of the way done, we add a brunoise or the smallest of dice of andouille sausage and tasso ham, both products um, traditional to the New Orleans area. And um, they have good spice and good seasoning in them and they impart flavor into the sauce as well. And then I deglaze the pan with white wine and finish with cold pieces of butter to make a emulsified sauce in the pan and finish with chives. And uh, I don't add any salt. I don't add anything else. It doesn't need anything else. And what you're looking for is a nice thick sauce with that cold butter. And you need to get that out of the pan the moment that butter has melted or it will break and separate and turn into a big old mess. And of course we serve that over creamy grits and um, our grits, our grits are actually made, we call them creamy, but they're made with milk, a tiny bit of butter and salt. And um, grits take about 35 to 40 minutes of gentle heating, uh, gentle cooking over low heat uh, to, to become ready to go. So obviously you're making your grits first and then very quickly you have a very quick entree um, for the family or for yourself um, uh, with that shrimp dish. Now the most classic version of that is the one where the, the the shrimp are just sautéed with garlic and butter mm-hmm. and just served on creamy grits. And that's the breakfast. Sure. Like the shrimpers come in with the shrimp and make some for breakfast that way. Mm-hmm. 
And that, that's, right. uh, that's, a, that's a really happy version. I'll tell you what. That's been my experience when I used to live down in Charleston. It's, it's so fun. It's such an exciting thing to bring those sh- shrimp in from a creek, and that's what you run home to at 6 a.m. Absolutely. All right. Should we tackle the world of calamari? Yes. I love calamari. Well, you go first, Tony. Cephalopods. So you have, it's sort of like going from uh, soprano to tenor to bass, right? Calamari to cuttlefish to octopus. Mm-hmm. And just kind of remember that if you're talking about wine-wise with those three, because it really kind of follows the same way. My all-time favorite calamari usage of any kind I've ever had has, was you and I had dinner at a restaurant a long time ago in Paris, and the dish was Dover Sole, mm. and it was cooked perfectly and a little crisp on the outside, and the garnish, the sauce and the garnish, very simple butter sauce, but with a lot of wine, and c- tiny calamari rings. Tiny and, ones. And artichoke. Perfectly cooked. You know, little like slivers, like batonet almost of artichoke bottom, uh, through that sauce with a good amount of lemon to it. And I was just like, man, that is that is exactly... Calamari has a very particular flavor. It's a very, like, it's of the sea. It, it doesn't really taste like anything else but its bigger brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. And it really set off the soul and a little bitterness of the artichoke. That was just like a perfect little trio. And, and the tagginess of the lemon is like, okay. All right, that's, that's, and it's funny, and I, I can taste that like it's in front of me right this moment. I agree, and you, it was, was your dish. dish. Thank goodness you let me taste it because I can taste that right now too. That restaurant was called La Store, and the thing with calamari is the te- the little the smaller it is, obviously the less you cook it, and if you overcook calamari, it's like eating rubber bands. You've all gone to some restaurant and had fried calamari where it's like eating rubber bands, and you're like, what in the world is this? I I hate calamari, and that's why if it's it, it, you know, well, you it's tra- also you'll, you'll get them treated. You'll get them all kinds of different ways. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, you won't get so the brilliant. entire fresh calamari. They will have been frozen. They will have been chemically treated. Yeah. It's yeah. no, it, you don't want you don't want it can that. be it can be uh, just fantastic. And with, you know, with, I make a, a calamari and house made pork sausage risotto. That is one of my favorite things that I've ever made. And I revisit that every now and then. And at the end of the cooking, I add uh slices of calamari and literally i don't even put it in the pan while the heat's still on the heat from the risotto is enough to cook that calamari before it goes onto the plate for the guest and um, that just tells you um, when you have sliced it now back in the day when we opened our little french bistro uh, we used to do and i think about this every now and then and I, that was not my recipe. It was the person that was a chef there at the time's recipe, I believe. You pro, I'm sure you guided him through it. It was a stuffed calamari. And so that was yeah. the whole tube with the – it had like, uh, you know, breadcrumb and I think tomato and, and uh, a little bit of uh, yeah. maybe it, truffle it, it, something cla- in it. A, and, a classic Marseillaise dish. Oh, my gosh. That was – that was also, I mean, I think if you if you want to try something as a as a cook in your house that's adventurous, I think figuring out how to cook stuffed calamari, stuffed squid, is really. Uh, I think you will have achieved something, and you should be very very proud of yourself if you want to uh, try something like that. It, it's a longer cook time, because the 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 tube you're using the whole tube, they will be bigger, and it needs to be uh, simmered. Um, 
for a period of time in order for the whole dish to become tender and for the stuffing to cook? My guess is the, I don't know, that, yeah, that was, that was probably a good, like, 14, 15 minutes in the oven. But the moisture of the whole thing is what makes the calamari stay nice. Mm-hmm. The best fried calamari I've ever had, by far, hmm. by far, was uh, there was a little town uh, outside of Palermo, and there was a restaurant by the dock there. And for some strange reason, I, w- I was staying there before opening uh, a Mediterranean restaurant, doing food research, wine research, stayed in a little hotel that was close to this this fishing dock. And there's a little restaurant there, and no name on the restaurant. Hmm. There were just a couple of tables out front. Wow. Like on the street. Awesome. And so I'm walking, and I see this guy come up with a boat to the dock, and he starts unloading seafood. And I'm like, and I was trying to learn Italian at that time and trying to talk with a guy. And he told me that all of this was for his brother. That was his brother's restaurant. Huh. So it was, it was Pete who was with me. Okay. And so we went back, you know, two hours later to that restaurant to see what he had and went in the kitchen and saw all the different stuff That's that he had. That's great. What a he great experience. He had the tiniest little baby calamari. <laughs> I mean, little teeny tiny guys. Oh. <laughs> and pulled the beaks and fried them whole. And it w- or pulled the beaks in the ink sack and, and fried them whole. Oh, my gosh. I bet they were amazing. Oh, my gosh. They were, inc- with, especially with the lemons that you get oh, in yeah. Sicily and in the mm. south of Italy. Yeah, what You've seen some of those guys in, in Campania that are nuts. Just that. Just that. So good. And, and the what least complicated mm-hmm. way of battering the things in the world. I mean, it's flour and sparkling water and that's it. I wonder where, where would you go to get... See, I never buy seafood in grocery stores, so trying to think, you know, can people get... I think you can get calamari pretty easily around here, probably at the better stores, right? Well, and I would think certainly with, with asking mm-hmm. if you know okay. you want them for an event or something. I don't think I've ever seen octopus in a grocery, but I also haven't been looking. No, yeah, we... We have a lot of seafood available to us. We do not have the the seafood market in Barcelona. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Which is one of the more epic things that you'll that is epic That's that that word. you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. And by noon, it's like gone. Sure. It's just about I'm sure. Gone. That's their goal. Yeah, they're probably oh, yeah. there at four a.m., five a.m. Oh. Yeah, it's it's nuts. When can so, we travel again? Do you, do you remember? Having cuttlefish in Barcelona? Yes, I do. Yeah. You sat with me. We sat at a little counter. And, <laughs> so uh, good. And, and watched them cook it on a plancha <laughs> with salt and olive oil. Yeah. It's the whole thing. That's it. That's what's so amazing. Yeah. It, didn't, it wasn't even sliced. It was just like throw a plate with, with a couple of cuttlefish on it to you. Oh. Cuttlefish I love because they're thick. They're not that much bigger than calamari, but they're thicker. Mm-hmm. So you get if you get a real you get a bit of a sear on the outside, you get a real texture variation and it's really really nice. Yeah. That is I, that is that I don't know how a consumer can find. No. That I think that 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 experience was ridiculous because we had those potatoes there too. We had something else there that was just yeah. But seeing getting see, to see the seafood before it's cooked in the case there, right in front of you, is pretty 
amazing too. Uh, obviously, that's a lot of confidence in in uh, the product to have it right there on display for everybody to see. It's so great. Yeah, I'm certain that that restaurant slash tapas bar still exists. Cerveceria Catalana, Catalan Brew. Go there immediately when you go yeah. to Barcelona. <laughs> Get off the plane, go there and eat. Yeah, that was and have that a was glass happy of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went back there with the, with the whole group and had a bit what what Jorge Donas would call a seafood attack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have to talk about octopus. Yeah, octopus. So what's is more what's of your a secret, Tony? Yep. What's your secret? How do you make it? You have to do a really good job braising it. Mm-hmm. That's, and I don't think that the old wives thing about uh, to cork <laughs> put, putting a cork in in the braising, uh-huh. but do a really good job braising it. And and for me, there's always red wine in the braising. Okay. You know, and there's always garlic in the braising. Octopus is much, it's much meatier. Honestly, it's always a red wine match for me. You know, it's like light white for calamari, rich rich white, or lighter red, like a Rioja can be really good for cuttlefish. But octopus, it, it wants red wine that's like a Mediterranean red that has some, some power to it. You can also use Malbec mm. for okay. octopus. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's, you, you braise it, you rested long enough, you know. It's got to sit out for a little while and kind of relax from what you just did to it. Yeah. And then once it's once it's cooled down, then you cut into the portions that you want. And getting a, getting the little guys, getting the younger ones, are what you want. Yeah. You want something that's that that the, the head is like the size of a softball mm-hmm. on the octopus. Is about right. Richard Olney has a book called Lulu's Provencal Table. Oh, I love this book so much. And um, that is, uh, he's, he's basically been cooking with this lady in Provence and learning all of her secrets. And she talks about making octopus and she freezes it before she makes it, which I thought was fascinating. I had no idea that someone would intentionally do that. Oh, she's, she's probably trying to dry it out. Yeah, I, I just was really yeah. surprised by that. So, or it breaks it down somehow, does something I, I to think, make it I more tender. It, it definitely is better after braising it, if you cool it and refrigerate it, and then, you know, and 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 in a couple of hours, then slice it into the portions that you want, and then especially like grilling one of those tentacles. Yeah, I was going to say just, se- just season it well, grill it, and give it some. That's what I always think of like uh, a bean and. And like bitter green salad, you know, a tomato vinaigrette, mm-hmm. something very straightforward. But again, one of those big cannonau from Sardinia or even Chateau de Pop. Do, do you remove the little cups from the tentacles or do you leave them on? Leave them on. Whatever you call them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, when, right. when they're smaller, they're not an issue. When they're big guys, they're an issue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the first time I ever made octopus, I removed those because... They sort of freaked me out, quite frankly. And it seemed sort of like they were hard. So I'm like, uh. But yes, then we get small ones now, so it really isn't a problem. But I, the, the way that that takes on the flavor of the grill is just amazing. Oh, I strongly yeah, yeah, yeah. suggest grilling it. It's, it's, uh, well, it's, and, 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 the, and the better the, like the better the grill, the better the fire, right. the yeah, better if you it have does. Real, yeah, if you have a, a, a wood-burning yeah. grill, it's really going to be spectacular. Oh, All right. you know what's, what's fun? Mm-hmm. Like, Big, rich California Cabernet Sauvignon, grilled octopus. Uh, maybe you're not thinking octopus for your next barbecue, but mm-hmm. but uh, now I am. Yeah. 
That's good. Anyway, that's all we've got time for. If you want to listen to this program or any one of her others, go to the WYPR website, wypr.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page and look up uh, past podcasts. If you want to correspond with us via email, foremanwolf at wypr.org. If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as Chef Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday. <laughs>